Alright, welcome. I don't feel like doing all the bullshit. Back <laughs> to the Addressing Underground podcast. With, uh... Blurg. Not Blurg. Kittens in the dark. I was like, do, do we call Blurg? No, like, no. You know, he's like... No, I was just joking. Um, I wanted to get... <laughs> okay, it's a bad joke. No, I just wanted to get nobody excited. Nobody really likes Blurg, do they? Everybody likes Blurg. I know. Um, it's sad. Okay, well... Here we are again. Um, yesterday was November 17. For context for everyone, for the Gawker commenters, November 17. Is that like was the Gawker 11 day... now? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> November 17. Gawker lets go of seven of his seven of their writers, and Gawker commenters find out via the all <laughs> on Twitter. That's how it usually works. Mm, so yeah, I guess on this call, I have a roundtable. With Arctic Sixteen, who I invited back, and Gramercy Police, and Gramercy Police is a really long time commenter. He's been there longer than me, longer than Arctic. Um, I think he's been there since two thousand eight in terms of a commenter, so he knows it much better. Hmm. Um, I would like to invite him back, as I say with all my guests who do roundtables, because I mean it. And <laughs> none of them come back yet. <laughs> Not yet, but I still want to. I mean, yeah. I know. I know. Uh, we talk about three... Okay, there's like three articles that we kind of talk about. The first one is everyone should read Dana Evans' article on Medium. It's called On Gawker's Problem with Women. And this was the piece that John Cook decided to nix. It was going to go up in July, but then all that, the Jordan Sargent post takedown Max Reed leaving happened. Mm. So I think that's why they nixed it. And then they were going to publish I'm... it again. And then John Cook said, we're done talking about Gawker. Like Gawker is done talking about Gawker. Anyways, you guys should read it. It's really good. <laughs> and then we talk about Nick Denton's memo. It's called Focus. You can find that on group.gawker.com. It'll be on um, the uh, blog. Oh, yeah. It'll be on the blog, guys. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Rob looked hella bored. He was like, "It'll be on the blog, guys." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Um. Is that all? I guess that's the gist. Um. Oh, I said to you before we started recording that it seemed like every time there was like tragedies at Gawker, <laughs> um, it was very opportune for me. Yeah. And the Gawker commenter show, <laughs> which sounds. It just sounds very vulture-like, um, like scavengery. Well, I mean, it's Gawker, uh, so it's appropriate. Um, <laughs> it's just something I just observed and wanted to say, with or without yeah. opinion, like feeling towards it. That's about <laughs> it. I don't know. I'm drinking my coffee and feeling super amped right now. Cool. I'm feeling <laughs> super drunk. But with that said, um, come back on Tuesday. I'll be talking to Brian Lewis Saunders, who some people might know as the guy who, well, it seems less known. He draw, he does a self-portrait every single day, and he's doing it to the end of his life. And uh, But it was a period where he did like 50 or 60 under the influence of various drugs like crack and LSD and stuff. And uh, yeah, he also does stuff like poetry, uh, stand-up tragedy where he tries to make the audience cry by telling them stories about his awful life and awful things he's seen. And uh, he's also 
done a bunch of performances recently where he's tortured himself on stage. Well, had somebody torture him while he tried to recite the Geneva Convention <laughs> from memory. And, uh, yeah. Oh, I guess real quick, too. Sarah Century has a Kickstarter going if you want to support a queer Western made by a queer woman. And I don't know who the other person is, but I'll put a link to that on the blog, too, I guess. Is there anything else? Um, don't forget to rate us on iTunes <laughs> right. and tell all your friends about us. I'll do that. Positive stuff. <laughs> Positive stuff. <laughs> Good, bad stuff, too. It's fine. Um, <laughs> all right, well. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to this again. And I guess this will segue us into the call. It was weird to wrap it up. Hi, this is Kittens and Unicorns, and I just called Arctic 16. Hello? Hey, Kittens. What's up? Hi. Thanks for uh, doing this roundtable with me. Um, all right. Well, let's see. I am about to call Gramercy Police. Are you ready? Yeah, definitely. Hello? Hi, Gramercy Police? Yeah, hey. Hi, this is Kittens and Unicorns. Uh, thanks for the wait. Uh, we have Arctic 16 on the line as well. Hey. Hey, how are you? Good. Oh, so, uh, I guess, do you guys want to just, I always fuck up trying to begin these calls uh, smoothly, but, all right, let's just start. Um, so, for everyone else to give context to this call, it's a roundtable discussion because, I guess, twice a year, Gawker, something happens, like a big shakeup, and yesterday, on yesterday, Gawker let go of seven people and shuttered down many of its sites. Um, so we're here to discuss what happened there and what the commenting culture, how it'll be affected. You guys ready? Sure. Ready. All right. Well, I'm going to start with Gramercy Police, um, since you are our newer guest. Sorry, Arctic. But, um, let me ask you this. Do you agree with any of the changes that Gawker wants to implement? I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I can be patient enough to see how they play out. I, I, um, I trust that, you know, some thought went into it and um, that in large measure, it sounds like a business decision almost more than anything. My concern, I guess, is um, I put this on a thing on Crosstalk earlier, but, you know, the last thing the world really needs is another goddamn politics. <laughs> you know, it's like we have enough of those mm -hmm. and I'm not sure we need another one. But if they can bring something new, if they can avoid the disease of getting trapped and and sort of sucked into that whole um you know tornado of people that that find the self-importance in um in that environment then yeah if they can stay on the outside and and, and poke the bear with a, a very sharp stick pretty frequently then that's great uh, you know i do feel like um I, I said this to somebody earlier too. It's like to me, Valleywag serves or can serve a really important function mm -hmm. in today's world because I think what happens in the valley, you know, there's a lot of risk that there's more larceny that goes on out there or could go on out there because nobody watches that place with a critical eye. Right, I mean, there's just nobody doing it. 
so I feel bad that um, you know I thought Natasha and Sam were on the on that beat that they were you know they didn't always have a great story but they always made it interesting and they kept it engaging and sometimes they did have really good and big important stories so I feel I like that's something I'm going to miss so now I'm going to ask Arctic I guess the same question do you agree with any of the changes that Gawker is about to go through I'm honestly not a really big fan of it, um, wow. and the reason for that is uh, kind of like what Gramercy Please just said. Uh, you know, like there's a ton of politics blogs. I, I don't want Gawker to be a politics blog. I think that sounds awful. Um, I think one of the reasons why I like Gawker's is because it's kind of like in a way kind of like escapism in that it'll report a lot of quirky or random, <laughs> like random ass stories that like you wouldn't necessarily pick up in other places, right? So, like, to me, like, I like that it's other shit, including random pop culture things with a side of politics because there's obviously, like, a decent amount of politics already discussed on it. Like, Hamilton, no one talks about politics all the time. Other people do as well. And I like how it's kind of, like, sprinkled in um, or, you know, brought up during relevant times. But, like, the idea of, like, a fully, like, a blog fully devoted to politics, like, Honestly, that doesn't sound good to me, and it doesn't sound good to me, like, leading up to, like, the 2016 campaign, which is obviously what was said. It doesn't sound great. Like, it's just going to be, you know, a rehashing of shit that I'm already reading being rehashed, like, in a lot of other places. So, I, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm actually not really looking forward to, like, the new direction. And it also makes me think, so, like, what's their long-term plan? Like, okay, you're going to cover the 2016 election. What are you going to do after that? Exactly. Um, I I, I don't really like it. And I think a lot of like the, you know, they killed off like some sub blogs that I think people really like and that I think makes Gawker like very accessible because people would read it for different things um, because it was kind of like a little cross section of a lot of other stuff through their sub blogs and focusing it just towards politics. I think, yeah, it gives it a singular focus. I can see why it's like a good business decision, but from a commenting standpoint, it doesn't sound good to me. Um, next question. So I guess I'm going to go again, Gramercy, and then I'll ask Arctic. <laughs> what about one of the main changes was that it was also going to fold Defamer, the sub, and all those celebrity topics would just be folded over into Jezebel. So what's your take on that, Gramercy? You know, to, I, I take, I, I think of Jezebel as, as serious a site as any other, um, in the Gawker media, um, solar system. So, I, I worry a little bit if the idea is let's just toss this stuff over there. I, you know, I like to think after Dana's um, essay and things like that, that there's a sensitivity to not treat this decision in that way. And that they're just saying that's a more um, um, hospitable place. It's a, it's a, a place where the writing is going to match the topics and things like that. So, I mean, I guess that's okay, but um, I, I was never allowed to comment on Defamer, so I didn't read it all that much, to be honest. Um, Were you bad there? I, I, no, I mean, I could comment, but I was always in the grays on Defamer, so I, after trying, you know, many times, I just sort of lost some interest, but, um, you know, I don't think I'll miss that one as much, not even as a matter of commenting. I mean, that, that makes it sound silly, but... Um, just as a matter of the things that I would read, I, I didn't find Defamer had as much in its current iteration, had as much um, readable content. No, um, I would agree. I felt so. like there wasn't as much interesting um, content for me. How about you, Arctic? Uh, I mean, I, I didn't I didn't make a habit of reading Defamer. I would mostly read the stuff that got bumped to the front page. Right. So, um, 
you know, I, I see the appeal of it and I think there was definitely a market for the type of like topics that it reported on. So moving into Jezebel, I mean, I guess I can kind of see it based on like how they're trying to streamline because Jezebel already has like that, like, I think it's like a daily post about like the tweet beat and like maybe like celebrity news. So I guess they could just fold it into that. But, um, I guess that it kind of just goes back to my further point of how like there was little sub blogs that attracted people to Gawker for different reasons and different like focuses. And now they're killing one off that people seem to really like. So, you know, I, but I didn't read it much. So if that's what they're going to do, great. But I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel ambivalent about the whole thing. I think I Ark, if you're an io9 user and I think that they're folding over some of that into Gizmodo is sort of what I understood. Yeah, that's kind of what I saw too in that mm. memo. Um, I guess on related but unrelated, you guys both read the Dana uh, Dana's piece on Medium, yes? Y yeah, yes. I read it. Okay. Um, or I'll go backwards. Arctic, how about you? What do you think about Dana's piece? Yeah, I'm finding it right now. Well, um, I thought it was very interesting. <laughs> I wasn't super surprised to read it, um, and. You know, I mean, what what can you say? Like, I'm not surprised to read that maybe there's, like, some, like, you know, sexism going on at Gawker. Like, mm -hmm. the numbers bear themselves out in terms of, like, the makeup of their staff and their editorial board. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm not super surprised. You know, Gawker, just like most other institutions in this country and in the Western world, are run by white men. What a surprise. I mean, what else? I don't even know what else I can really say. How about you, Gramercy? I read it with a lot of interest, um, and I think I read John's re response to it as well. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, anytime somebody does something like that, you know, there may be a point here or a point there that, you know, was the result of miscommunication or misinterpretation. But I think overall, it was important for her to do that and publish that. And I, I certainly hope that John is, is, you know, true to his word that he he read it seriously and, re and, you know, hated to not publish it himself, but was trying to make a stand about sort of self-examination on, on Gawker's front page all the time. And in a way I can kind of understand his point there, which is, you know, we've had enough of that over the past six months. We don't need to, you know, live and die by our own um, dramas, but that's a serious essay. Um, it was, I felt like it was very well written and, um, you know, it's worrisome in the sense that it, I, I was thinking about this. Like, if I was going to make up a list of my favorite, my five favorite Gawker writers since I've been reading Gawker, which I think um, I first became aware of Emily Gould when she did the New York Times Magazine piece. So I probably hadn't read Gawker much before that. No, you're definitely the oldest, like the longest commenter here. Longest Oh, okay. Well, so I didn't read it um, when she was writing. But if I was going to name my five favorites... You know, there might be some variation day to day, but I think four of them would be women, and plus um, the always popular Richard Lawson. But I mean, the um, the others, you know, whether it was Katie or um, Maureen Ashley, to me is is a great writer, um, and it's disturbing to think that there are um, um, blocks or, or speed bumps in their paths. To success, and the good thing is that you know people like Maureen and um, Katie and others, you know, they go and they make their own success anyway. It's, it's not like it, it stops their career, but it's still discouraging and um, 
you know, it's not something that, that you want to see. And I just have to hope that the essay has a real impact on, on the organization and the people there. Um, um, I'm so going to cut we'll you off see. really quick. Um, well, perfect timing. Um, I'll read you a quote that was from, hello, are you guys there? Yep. Oh, okay, sorry. I'll read you a quote. It is from Anna Holmes in her, and she's talking to Dana. And she said, what is notable is that men in positions of power are not expected or required to be as thoughtful and responsible as their female counterparts. Many are in fact rewarded and, and admired for their recklessness and immaturity. A recklessness and immaturity that, as you know, has gotten the company in heaps of trouble over the past couple of years. And like in my short time as a Gawker commenter, I was thinking the people I was thinking that have gotten in the company in most trouble are Jordan, Sam Biddle with G Gamergate, and I guess AJ with uh, Hulk Hogan. And it seems like, well, Jordan and Sam are still there and AJ still, you know, gets funding from Denton. So... It did make me wonder, like, what is, what, how much truth or like how true it is. I don't know that I can comment on on Anna's point because she would have more, you know, direct knowledge about it. I mean, in my view, um, AJ was, <laughs> he's just like, I, 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 I'm sorry for this characterization. I apologize to him if he ever were to hear this, but he's kind of like Pigpen and Peanuts. You know, it's like everywhere he goes, he just spreads disaster <laughs> around him. And um, the um, so I you know I don't know that there was anything so much wrong with the Hulk Hogan thing, although they wouldn't do it today, I don't think. But at the time, I don't know that there was anything so wrong with it. Jordan's thing, I think, was an assignment, and he had to do it. So you, I don't know that you can blame him personally for that. Mm -hmm. And then the other one was Biddle, which I thought his tweet was funny. I actually still to this day don't understand why he had to apologize or get in trouble for that, but that's okay. But I, you know, I think there's a there was an air like when Maureen used to write and stuff. There was an air of recklessness and um, and fun to that writing that was the equal of anybody. Um, but she, you know, I, I can't think of any time when she caused a scandal for the company. So maybe the point that's being made there is entirely accurate. I'm I'm just not the best person to validate it or anything. Arctic. Well, you know, I certainly don't have any like insider knowledge that can like so that, you know, that would allow me to like comment on that like one way or another in terms right. of like, affirming the statement or not. But I will say that obviously, like, you know, especially during like the AJ times, like of Deadspin and Gawker, like there definitely was kind of like this like reckless abandon to the type of shit they'd post and the type of things they do. Um, I remember that I remember once when AJ was like, you know, taking care of Jezebel for a day and he was just posting gifts and like all sorts of craziness and nonsense. I don't think that I've ever seen that type of like, I don't know, I guess like abandonment from like any of like the women writers on the site. But you know, other than that, I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't have any firsthand knowledge to kind of like comment one way or another on that, but I can kind of see where they're coming from. Maybe I guess is what I'd say. I guess in the short history of Gawker, they haven't had well, a permanent editor-in-chief. Have they? It was Leah Beckman who was temporary and that one was replaced. Um, I can't recall. I could be wrong. Oh, yeah. Back in, I mean, Emily before and Gawker was actually right. started. I can't remember the name of the... That's awful that I can't... That I'm not pulling her name right now. But um, so it has, they have had... If that was your point, was that in the history of Gawker, have they had women... Who were permanent editors oh, in chief? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. They have. Um, well, I was wrong. 
I was wrong. Okay, how about this? Did you guys read by any chance? Uh, I think it was on group.gawker.com, which is where you will find Nick Denton's focus piece. But the second thing I found that was also interesting was um, an introduction to Gawker Media Group. And Denton mentions this in his piece too. But what I thought was really interesting was that the, the focus of the Gawker Media Group's piece was that their, their readers, their 18 to 34-year-olds in the U.S., that had a household income of more than $100,000 and that these readers were deeply involved with the stories were, uh, with the stories and the product recommendations and the conversations about them and that these readers clicked on these product ads to drive more than $150 million of sales for partners, a business that is growing more than 50% a year. So I'm wondering, like, are they targeting rich people, like rich young people as their audience or Arctic? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think what they're getting at there is that, you know, the, I guess the importance to media, especially new media, like an internet company that Gawker is, of like, basically like wealthy millennials, like, that's basically what what they mean by that, right? Like 18 to 34 with a household income of over $100,000. Mm-hmm. So like yuppies, right? Like right. yuppie millennials. So between them saying that and also said that they want some of like, you know, the culture blogs to produce more, like, original, like, YouTube or, like, video content just makes me think, like, so what are they, are they going just, like, the BuzzFeed route? Is that basically what they're trying to do? Like, it's all about, like, clickbait videos for millennials? Maybe. That's kind of what I got out of it. Uh, Gramercy, did you feel like in Nick Denton's memo, uh, he does make mention to his audience, right? But does that audience, do you think that includes the commentary act? I think so. Um, But, you know, if it's a question of who posts more comments versus who clicks on more um, waffle irons, um, the waffle iron area might actually be more valuable to them than the commentary yet. But I think the, um, um, you know, I think their target is um, young and educated. I don't know that I would say young and rich, although obviously you want people who are going to be able to spend the money when they click on those things. But I think they get to that by trying to appeal to a more educated audience. And, um, you know, that would be the goal. They don't always hit it, but I think that's probably their goal, target. Um, any thoughts? Are you guys, any thoughts on Alex Perrine being coming, Gawker's new, being in charge? We'll start, uh, with, I don't... Sorry, we'll start with Arctic. Yeah, I don't really know Alex, so I don't really have one thought one way or another. But from what I read of his background or like the his, you know, editorial voice or whatever, it sounds like it's heavily politics based. So, you know, obviously it's going to be their driving factor. So in that regard, I'm kind of like, blah, but I don't personally like like I hadn't like really known of him beforehand. I was just going to say, I, I, I haven't followed his writing that much in the past. I know he mm-hmm. was you know, in a similar position previously. And um, and since he's been back, I haven't really been that impressed with the posts that I've seen, but I know he has a really good reputation among a lot of people whose opinion I would trust. Um, the one, the two things I'll say in his favor that I can say is one, I think he's really good at Twitter for whatever that's worth. Mm-hmm. And I also admire the fact that he went on CNBC and caused the anchors to practically have uh, heart attacks on camera when he was a guest on there for like 10 minutes. And in that short period of time, 
he caused them to almost <clears throat> you know vomit up their lunch. Wait, can you right go into that because I actually haven't seen that clip, but I do need to. Can you briefly uh, like were, summarize? Yeah, yeah, they were talking about um, um, the financial crisis, and they were talking about this was back when there were problems at J.P. Morgan with. Um, you know, rogue brokers, and um, I can't remember the scandals, but there were a couple of scandals that were going to cost the company, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in fines and things. And they, you know, he was kind of cracking wise about what a jerk Jamie Dimon must be, trying to run this company and causing and allowing all these things to happen, and then feigning innocence about the whole thing and saying, "Oh, uh, you know, I, I couldn't possibly have known about all of this." And they asked him, well, what do you think they should do? And he said, well, they should fire Jamie Dimon. <laughs> I think if you go on CNBC and you tell them that they should fire Jamie Dimon, they cannot control their um, facial expressions or their body language. And they just start, they got so mad at him. Oh. They could not wait to get him off, off the, uh, you know, get to the break and get him off the set. So I, but he stuck to his guns and I give him a lot of credit for going into the lion's den and saying that. Oh, I definitely need to watch that now. I'll try to post it to the the blog post on, for this roundtable. Um, all right, next question that I saw a lot of commenters uh, talking about was during the firing, right? So seven people were fired, and briefly, let's go over it. It was uh, Kelly Connaboy. Um, it was Kelly. It was Dennis Taylor. Jason was Jason. Yes, Parham? Jason Parham was one of them. Um, Aaron Gloria Ryan. And I think, I don't think C.A. Pinkham was on that list, but I know since Kitchenette was next, he is next too. Mm. Oh, wait, he said that he said that he's on through November is what he tweeted at one point. So I guess it's kind of like Kitchenette's going away. So you're fired at some point, but I don't think he was like locked out of his shit on Tuesday. Oh, I see. Um, also, Jay Hathaway, who was in charge of antiviral and also Natasha Vargas Cooper. So that's seven people. Let's see. Oh, so that's seven writers who got fired. And I think for me, the person who I was most surprised about was Taylor, just because he's been there for a while and he's the news editor. And I felt like he covered news articles, including politics and culture, you know. But here's the question. Some commenters were jonesing for Jordan Sargent to have been fired. Do you think Jordan should have been on that list of Arctic first and then Gramercy? Uh, no, I don't think he should have been in that list. Um, I, I guess because of like the post earlier this summer. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, that post, if anything, if anyone should get fired for things like that, it should be editors, which I don't think they, anybody should have gotten fired for it. So I don't think Jordan Sargent should have been on that list now. Yeah, I tend to agree with Arctic. I, I, um, I was very angry about the post and I, I vented on the site for days and, and <laughs> interrupted other stories with snide comments about it and, you know, went on a crosstalk rant and, and stuff like that. But I was angry about it, but I, I wish in hindsight that, you know, like, especially for, I didn't know Tommy Craig, so I don't, you know, it made no difference in the sense that he was there or wasn't there. It, it didn't affect me. But I wish that Max and Nick had sort of said, take 30 days, figure it out if you want to be here or not. Here's going to be the new rules we're going to try and operate under. And, you know, or something like that. I, 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 you know, I know it was the wrong thing to post, but um, I, I wish there had been another way to figure that out. But in the, throughout all of it, though, as angry as I was at Jordan when I first read it, the more I learned about the evolution of that story mm -hmm. 
and its development, it was harder to blame him, um, you know, for, for doing what he was assigned to do. And, you know, so I, I don't know. I, I don't have any axe to grind with whether he should have been fired or not versus, you know, Taylor or something like that. I, I, it, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm not on witch hunt for Jordan. Fair enough. N- nor am I. He's uh, just wanted to cl- make that clear. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't think you were. I, just... <laughs> I will say that, though, when that post went up, I was really surprised because, one, I mean, I was only surprised at, the, at how strong the invective was uh, and the volume of it because Jordan always gets a lot of hate comments, a lot. Uh, he's And then Hamilton would be next. But um, I guess I was a little surprised. I was a little surprised at how that all played out. I mean... I don't, I don't know what Arctic thinks, but to me, the problem, the post was bad, but the problem was the Twitter um, feeds. And, and to me, that's where I kind of went off the rails. What do you mean um, the Twitter feeds? Because at that point, Max tweeted out to say, you know, anytime we find out that a, a media executive is cheating on his spouse or her spouse, you know, we're going to post that. And that was just, you know, really seemed like an odd thing to say in the face of all the criticism that was coming up. Mm. And then you had Natasha Vargas and um, Leah um, are the ones that I can think of offhand. There might, there may have been others as well, but who were really adamant about the value of that post and how stupid it was to criticize it. And, you know, they just were um, a little relentless that night on Twitter about Mm. it. And it just was, you know, there was nobody other than um, Adam, there's really nobody kind of putting on the brakes saying, you know, think about what you're saying. Right. <laughs> you know, just take five seconds and think about it. So, um, you know, I think that's where the anger, at least for me, really started to build up. And, uh, and looking at comments on Crosstalk and other places, I mean, I think other people saw those tweets and felt like the post was one thing, but then to go on the, on the offensive about it and have no sense of um, the world that you were living in at that moment, it just seems, you know, that made people angrier than the post almost. Hmm. Arctic, do you have any comments in response? Uh, I mean, I kind of, so I caught up with that, the whole post story, like, you know, like the day got yanked. So I feel like I was like a day or two behind like, you know, the news cycle, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I know it's not a popular opinion, but, like, I didn't have a huge issue with it. Um, so I understand that there was an additional layer to it and that they were outing, you know, the person in question. So that, I, you know, I would have had an issue with, but them just posting about, well, obviously, it was like sloppily investigated from mm-hmm. from what they said. So I, I don't know. Obviously, it was a bad idea, but I think it got worse be- when they yanked it. I think if it ran through all the editorial channels that it did, and they still posted it, they should have, I guess, stuck with it. I, I think once they yanked it, it just kind of made it worse, which I guess is kind of counter- counterintuitive. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I'm very conflicted about the whole thing. I feel like when they yanked it, it helped change the focus of the story from the post itself to um, the stand that all the writers were taking on the post and then thus, and then Max Reed's departure. 
Yeah, I feel like once they like yanked it, then the story became like, what the fuck are they doing over there? <laughs> because if if they were just like, look, this is our story. We're standing behind the reporting. Obviously, it went through editorial, and we're leaving it up. Okay, well, it's a shitty story, and maybe you did a shitty thing to a person, but okay. But then once they yanked it, it kind of turned into like, like, what do you like? Do you guys is anybody in charge over there? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the. I get what decision they're trying to make. It's just changes are always hard for me. I, and I disagree with so many other pink slips they gave out. Um, what about the vein? I know that that is. I think that's a pretty popular sub amongst all sites like all commenters it seems really appreciate it or is it just a gawker sub blog i didn't really read the vein much but i will say that it seems like there's been a crying out since the news that it was shuttered um i i guess some people are really into it and i know a couple like weather nerds i guess quote unquote so i can i thought it was popular so i don't know why they would have nixed it i guess i feel the same way and i if if you have a sub blog that has so many posts that make it to the front page, mm-hmm. you know, maybe just make it part of the front page. <laughs> right. Know? I don't know why you would do that, but that's, you know, they, they were making, I think, I, I don't know if John were on the call right now or, um, you know, if, if he was on here and um, going through this and Lacey was on, I don't know that they would say that these were easy calls or that the vein obviously didn't fit or something. They may just have said we had numbers and we had to make some decisions that we wish we didn't have to make, but somebody had to make them. Uh, you know, who knows? Or maybe they just said, I never read that thing. I'm getting rid of it. I don't know. Uh, I wonder what the numbers were like in terms of traffic for the vein, but I do, I do know that since they want to take Ali, put Ali and Sam on the campaign trail, that's going to cost a lot of money. Um, and I guess that's what they mean by like restructuring and al- reallocating resources. It's such fancy corporate speak. That's kind of uh, Denton's <laughs> memo really annoyed me because it was just all this corporate like PR mumbo jumbo. I thought like, well, yeah, basically, it kind of reminds you that hey, this is you know, I mean, not a corporation in the sense that it's like publicly traded, but it's it's here to make money at the end of the day. I mean, in, his first sentence is already a little fl- too flowery, flowery for me. In today's crowded and confusing digital media world, you should focus on your strengths and have a clear message for your audience. I mean, that's just too corporate for me. Like, no, no. Um, okay, how about this? You guys, so uh, Gramercy, you mentioned the main page, right? And there's like, how about just having, like if a, if a sub-blog is really popular, why not just have it on the main page? So do you guys remember when we only had a main page and there wasn't like 14 sub-blogs, like TK, TK, Justice, Rankings, all of that? Do you, do you think that when we, when Gawker changed to all these different sub-blogs, that was a mistake? And I'll start with Gramercy first. I, you know, I didn't like it when it first started happening. Um, although the good thing for me was since I was banned from Gawker, I could start to post on some of the others um, and eventually, you know, um, get back into that. So I guess I appreciated them a little bit in that sense. Um, Cause like um, the morning after um, was the guy's name. Rich did it for a while. No, it was, it was Jason. That's terrible. I can't remember his name, but um, in any case, I, I liked them in that sense, and uh, you know, you knew what you were going to get when you went to some of these 
but all in all, I never quite understood why they needed all of these sub blogs. It just got confusing. I think it was more about positioning Kinja as a blogging platform. And if they could show by example all of these different blogs that other people might say, hey, that's a good place for me to put my blog. And then maybe they would go to Gawker and buy space on Kinja or something. I don't know what drove that decision, but um, it seemed confusing always to me. And, um, you know, I, I don't so much mind reining that in. Uh, Arctic? Uh, yeah, I, I did not like the splitting of the main sites into all these sub blogs. I think it kind of fragmented the commenting base, which, I mean, I guess I'm biased because I, I like to comment on Gawker, but that's kind of why I like Gawker is because of the comments. Yeah, the content's good too, but, you know, a lot of the stuff I see on Gawker, I see it on Twitter like a day or hours or whatever beforehand. So it's not like they're breaking that much new stuff, but... So, yeah, I think it was a mistake. I think it, they kind of spread themselves too thin, and I guess now they're, we're seeing the effect of that because they're trying to get a more consolidated voice moving forward. But So, yeah, I, I didn't like it to begin with, and I don't like it now. I think Adam Weinstein said he was the first to like be um, part of that experiment. Do you guys remember at all when he was, when he was moved to Fortress America, did it affect how much you ended up reading his pieces? It, it did for me in that I, I wasn't going to Fortress America just to read his stuff. So whatever got bumped to the front that was interesting, I'd read. Otherwise, I wouldn't see any of it. Gramercy? Yeah, same, same. Mm, interesting. I felt like I read more of his, I read his stuff all the time on the main page when he went into his more specific sub. A lot of the times, I guess it started becoming the interest got much narrower um, or the subject got much narrower. So it was harder for me to stay focused in my interest, I guess. Mm, let's see. Oh, did you guys read the New York Times article by Ravi Samaya? I have, I've heard about it, but I haven't read it. Um, so the, it's, it's about retooling. What's interesting is, uh, really quick, and then I'll ask Arctic, because I think he, Arctic, you read it. Uh, but um, you should look up this guy, Ravi Samaya, and he always writes for Gawker. Every time there's a change, he's the guy who writes about it. And what I noticed after reading all his articles at once was that he doesn't seem to like fact check with other Gawker employees about what the story is. And it's really, he just writes press releases for Nick Denton via New York times. Arctic, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like nothing of substance really comes out of these articles. It's just kind of a rehashing of whatever Denton just said, honestly. I actually think that the New York Times article came out like a few, maybe, or, or I think it came out before everyone started getting fired or like around the same time. But that would have to mean that Denton had talked to someone because it was published the same day as the firings happened. Like it came out at the same time, I think. Right, right. Well, didn't, you know, Den, didn't Den have that whole like piece on him at the New York Times like this past summer? And it was written by the same guy who wrote this one, the retooling one, as a p political site. It's always... Right. And that guy is a former Gawker editor. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I, I read it. I mean, it was just basically explaining Denton's memo about... You know, I'm not saying, like, you know, word by word, but it was basically just, like, a little different perspective of whatever Denton was saying. You know, they're retooling as a political site to tighten their, you know, whatever scope, et cetera. Mm, I just... I just, I just thought that was interesting. He only ever talks to Denton. Um, Gramercy, you got to read it. 
Let's see. Yeah, it's not very long. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, let's see. Gregory, I just want to ask you uh, some questions because this is your first time on the show. So I want to know why, like, are you going to continue to co comment on Gawker even with all these massive changes? Like, I think the answer might be yes because it's like we're so accustomed to coming to this site. But what's your view on Gawker and commenting in the future of that? Yeah, I mean, it's mostly wait and see right now. I've I, um, always enjoyed sort of the process. I mean, there's a mental gymnastics that you have to do and how the comments sort of come to you and they just they sort of pop in your head and go through your fingers. And most of the time, if I'm happy with a comment, I didn't think it. I didn't think about it very much and construct it and things like that. When I start doing that, that's if I if I do anybody any favors, it's that I delete a lot of comments before I hit publish. <laughs> if anybody should thank me for anything, they should thank me for deleting a lot of comments. Um, but you know, there is a, a something that will trigger a thought, and sometimes it's very brief. Sometimes you know, I'm, I'm sure this will shock people, but I can sometimes be long-winded. But um, you know, it just sort of comes to you, and so you almost can't resist typing it in and just hitting publish. But, um, you know, I'll have to wait and see if the the topics and the approach to politics is going to be different enough to make it, um, to make that happen. You know, if the synapses don't sort of fire and you don't come up with the things to say that are that you feel like are different enough or interesting enough you know, you're, you're just not, I, I don't want to do it. So it's really a matter of um, how I react to it more than it is. You know, it's their site. They can do whatever they want. I don't, I don't object to that. What's it's interesting is AJ actually said that it's our space and they're just writing for us. And I thought that was maybe. <laughs> of all the people to say that, that's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you one more question, Gramercy, before I go, because I think you have to go soon. Yeah. One more thing. Okay. When you said you feel like like the writing is good enough to pull you in, yes? Like you don't care. You said, I don't actually read it for the politics per se or the funny stories or the social injustice or anything at all unless the writing is good enough to pull me in. And I just feel like commenters should be judged the same way. Can you, can you go more into detail on that? What do you mean the commenters should be judged the same way? By whom? The site or each other? I think the, the site, the people who click follow... Um, and move people into the out of the grays and other commenters. I mean, I there's nothing wrong with telling a commenter that their comment was stupid or you know um, worthless. You know, some a lot of them are, and a lot of them are very obvious and easy. And you know, anybody is certainly welcome to accuse me of all of those same things. I'm not trying to place myself, you know, outside some sphere of, of useless comments. But I feel like. Having been around, and I don't know if you guys were, but back when uh, you had the um, uh, people were in the pinks, they weren't in the grays, and then you know you got a little star and you moved mm -hmm. up and stuff like that. And um, but the commenters enforced most of that, um, and I feel like it's it's incumbent on commenters to to enforce that environment. So that means don't reply to stupid. Um, trolls and I you know sometimes you you get fooled into doing it because you don't realize it but you know some people seem to make a habit of thinking that it's important for them to respond to every dumb comment it's not let it go if it's in the grays just leave it there and um 
you know, don't be bashful about, um, you know, responding viscerally to what people are saying. Sometimes what they're saying is offensive, but sometimes it's just lazy and obvious and it's not worth anybody's time and you're scrolling through. It's like, get rid of 60% of these comments and I have other things I can do with my day. Um, so you, you find yourself just sort of scanning them more. You don't really read them as closely. Um, and I, I just believe that the commenters themselves have an enforcement role in commenting to, um, to try and surface the best comments as, as much as possible. So... I'm going to ask Arctic one last question. Do you have time, Gramercy, or do you have to go right now? Yeah, I can. I can hang. Okay, Arctic. This is the, I think this is the last question. Are you ready? It's not that exciting, though. Yeah. So I'm really familiar with Arctic, and one of the reasons I, I asked him is because I think that Arctic is really honest, like, w regardless, right? So are you, Gramercy, I would say, too. But Arctic, do you ever delete comments? Like, I don't I feel like you don't, but do you? Like, stifle type stuff out and don't post it you're like mm, maybe not i'll delete yeah, that. I, yeah. I, I do that kind of to gramercy's point like a, a lot of times i'll like be like what an idiot and then i'll start typing out some response to some like asshole in the grays and then sometimes i'll be like you know what is it really worth it it's not it's not i'm just getting worked up on the internet with a stranger and then mm -hmm. i'll just not post whatever so yeah i definitely have and do that's hard to do i think it's hard to uh, practice that skill of not responding or like not reacting, you know, just being like, ah, okay, just walk away. It's fine. Yeah. You have to, for your own sanity's sake, I think. Well, um, I know that Gramercy has got to go. So I want to say thank you for both of you guys, uh, for being on the show again. And, uh, yeah, I hope you had a good time. It seemed kind of like, seemed like going a little fast. It did go pretty fast. I was, I was not, um, in a sense, I was not looking forward to it because I was, it was something I was thinking. Why did I agree to this? But it's, it's actually been easy. It's, <laughs> it's been pretty. It's been good. You, you did a really good job with this. I really appreciate your letting me do this, Ooh. and it was great meeting you, Arctic. So thanks. Yeah, definitely. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, kittens. Oh yeah, no problem. I'll see you guys on the main page, and it, this call is probably going up. So thank you. Sounds good. Bye, everyone. Bye, yeah. Bye.